Hey, it's Matt Beyond Politics. So you may have noticed that we have an awful lot of episodes coming out right now. And that's because sometimes when it rains, it pours. On Wednesday, we had a great two-part episode with Corey Nathan of the show Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. We did it as a broken-up episode. Half went in his podcast feed, half went in ours. Hope you listened to that and uh, gave a, a follower, subscribe over to Corey. And if you're new over here, you, you gave one to us too. And then after that, it just was sort of a blizzard. We had Mark Zandi, the noted economist, on Friday to talk about his election model, his forecast, what that says, and what the thinking was that goes into it. And then we did our usual roundtable show that we're going to move toward the end of the week. Me and Paul Hodes and Alicia Preston, we've been doing that usually on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. We're going to make that more of a, a roundup toward the end of the week. So that's going to be coming out on Sunday as a special bonus because sandwiched in with that, we had an interview with Andy Kroll. He's just an outstanding investigative journalist at ProPublica. And he did a deep dive into the Supreme Court's consideration of this 14th Amendment case and whether Donald Trump can be kicked off the ballot. He did that right before the oral arguments. And then we got together and we dissected everything we heard and what all the deep implications are. And there are a lot. And it's fascinating. So that's coming out Monday morning. But in between, I did a guest appearance on the radio program belonging to Howard Monroe. He's a legendary West Virginia radio broadcaster. I've been a guest with him many times before. And he wanted to unpack the dueling cases that we saw come out this past week, one from a federal appeals court saying, Donald Trump, you're not a king. You uh, do not enjoy absolute immunity for everything that you might ever do. And that was paired with those oral arguments in that 14th Amendment case in which the Supreme Court seemed really poised to say, yep, but you can run. We're not going to kick you off the ballot. And so Howard wanted to just walk through a little bit of, well, what do those two cases together mean? So, we got into all of that with Howard, and we're bringing it to you here. Thanks very much for listening and for subscribing and for leading us those ratings and reviews. It's really helping. It's making a difference, so keep doing that. And with that, here's Howard. My old friend Matt Robeson is here with us, former campaign consultant, congressional staffer, podcaster, and all those kind of good things. Matt, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Howard. Happy Democrats Disaster Day. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was not a good day for Democrats. Donald Trump had to finally feel like he got a bit of a break on a couple of ways. I want to talk about the Biden thing maybe in a minute or two. But let's talk about the court rulings. We have a couple of court rulings, I think, that have been interesting. Federal Appeals Court, I guess it was just earlier this week, right, did rule that Donald Trump does not have presidential immunity from prosecution. Which, that was a bad day for Donald Trump, but it was a good day for America, I think. Very good day for America. A unanimous decision among the appeals court members, the, the three judges, one of whom was a Republican appointee, and they issued their opinion for the court, meaning they didn't want this to read as, oh, this is the opinion of one judge that the other signed on to. They wanted to make it crystal clear in the 57-page opinion that this was a strongly held and unanimous view on behalf of the court. And the appraisals from legal scholars are that this is a very forceful and very tight opinion that the president is not a king. He can't do whatever the heck he wants. He does not enjoy immunity for his criminality. 
and therefore he is subject to the 91 felony counts pending against him. Uh, again, had to be a very bad day for, for Donald Trump in hearing that. And the some of the language I found fascinating in that ruling, former President Trump is now just citizen Trump. What a line that was. Yes, indeed. And I, it, it was, I, I detected a little bit of, I don't think I'm alone in this, in, in, in reading this, I detected a little bit of cheeky pushback from the court. You know, the, the entire idea was it, it sort of left one a little incredulous, this, this whole argument that Donald Trump could do anything he wanted when he was president. The laws do not apply to him. I mean, that's the plain English reading of this. And that's insane. That's just crazy. And the court tried its best to legalize it up and, you know, to make it read like a court opinion, not like what I think most people wanted to say, which is, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. <laughs> Everyone knows no one's above the law, including the president. That's, but that, that is the impact of that federal court rule, appeals court ruling. No one is above the law, including the president. Again, some of the language fascinated me in that appeals ruling, talking about it is inconceivable to believe that a, a man who is supposed to enforce the law would somehow be above the law, those kinds of things. I mean, it just, it was a, it was a, I, I won't say stunning because it, it, it makes perfect common sense. And I think 90% of anybody who uses common sense would go, of course. I thought we, I actually, Matt, I thought we had kind of resolved this way back in the Nixon days when Nixon said, if the president does it, it's not against the law. And we kind of told him, well, yeah, it, <laughs> it is. First of all, your impression is uncanny, although it has a wisp of Sean Connery in it, so <laughs> I, that, which is also excellent. Like, I, I, I feel like, you know, you're about to tell Kevin Costner you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. Um, so that's great. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I almost, this feels like the kind of thing we shouldn't have to say. And again, maybe I'm overreading into what the court was saying here, but here we are. We have to say these things that it's not. And yet, and I know we're going to get to part one of Democrats' disastrous day yeah, yep. in a moment, but it, it does read a little strange to me that this appeals court, which is one rung below the Supreme Court, but, you know, is seen as, I mean, the Supreme Court almost never, I, it may actually be never, with this kind of unanimous opinion, I, I think it is literally unprecedented for the Supreme Court to come in and reverse. Overturned, so yeah. this is expected to stand. But it, it, it does feel a little weird to me that this appeals court could speak so forcefully to the idea of, yeah, the president is subject to the laws, and also... He, and I keep saying he, let's, I mean, it is he up to this point in history, but maybe not forever. He has taken an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. We all see it. That's why we watch the inauguration, right? right? And so he has sworn this oath to follow our highest level of law. And yet it seems like the Supreme Court is about to say, except for insurrecting. You can insurrect um, because we're going to find a technical way to not hold you to that. But, you know, the rest of it, yes, you must follow the law. So let's take a pause. Is? Let's take a pause here yeah. on the positive day for the Democrats, which is that federal appeals court ruling. 
do a news break, and then we'll come back and talk, as you point, about the Democrats' very bad, very disastrous day yesterday. And we'll, we'll a couple of issues we want to get into. One Trump, one Biden, both good for the Republicans. We'll talk about that coming up next, if you can hang in a minute or two. Is that okay with you? Oh, man, something to look forward to. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Today. With me is Matt Robeson, a former campaign consultant, former congressional staffer, podcaster, broadcaster, and generally speaking, a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Great guy. He's a good guy. Matt is here with us this morning to talk about, in this segment, what was a just a, a bad, bad day for Democrats yesterday. Matt, let's start with the Supreme Court. Now, they didn't rule, but you got a pretty good sense of where they might be headed in this issue of the 14th Amendment. Yeah, you got a pretty good sense. And it's, it's look, Democrats have had a Lucy and the football feeling about Donald Trump for about nine years now. It just seems like we're always on the cusp of he's going to be impeached and convicted and sent to jail and then launched to the moon, and then they're going to explode the moon, and then we'll be rid of him. And it never happens. And I know... We've gone through this so many times, and this 14th Amendment thing seemed like a long shot. But I am, after all, a human being and a Democrat, to the extent that those things overlap. And (laughs) I was allowing my hopes to get a little bit up because, like the rest of us, I exist in a little bit, just a little bit of a social media filter bubble. I mean, I do actually talk to live Republicans good Republicans, nice Republicans on my show on Beyond Politics. So I'm not completely closed off from the rest of the world. But nonetheless, I was reading a ton of legal arguments from prominent scholars going into yesterday saying, oh, this is a no brainer. You know, this argument started with super duper conservative legal scholars saying the 14th Amendment thing, it's open and shut. Trump should be kicked off the ballot and probably launched to the moon. And so when it got to the hearing yesterday, I was pretty crestfallen to see that no one agreed with that, including like Ketanji Brown-Jackson, Elena Kagan. There were three issues. You can boil it down, basically, the questions before the court to three issues. One, does the 14th Amendment cover presidents, i.e., is he an officer under the language of the 14th Amendment? This seemed like an open and shut no-brainer. So when Justice KBJ one of my new favorites, said, why didn't they put the word president in the list of positions that the amendment applied to? It was like it was like Alderaan had gotten exploded and a million voices cried out and were suddenly silenced. It was just like, oh, my gosh, KBJ isn't with us on the simplest of these questions. This is bad. And I'm with you. That to me, that and I I disagree with 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 her position on that. what seeming position on that? How can you believe that this resur- resurrection insurrection clause was <laughs> was was put in there to prevent? Well, this is about a resurrection. Yeah, it is here in some <laughs> You're cases. Going to resurrect the dude. It was put in here to prevent people who engaged in direct actions against the democracy of America to not be allowed to do it again. Essentially, how can you believe that the president? You know, I want I wanted to shout. The reason they didn't write it in is because they didn't think they had to. Yeah, it. There are plenty of arguments that seem to make that point obviously, but there are 
legal scholars who take the Katanji Brown Jackson line on this and they say it is a little weird that if they wanted the president, they didn't say the president. And I mean, look, it, there are there has been a lot of speculation that what the court is really after is an off ramp. I mean, just to kind of cut to the chase on all this, that they're really after is an off ramp. Right. So the issues they were looking at yesterday were, is he an officer? Did he engage in insurrection? And can an individual state like Colorado remove a candidate from the ballot or do you need congressional action? And I think that it's unlikely if they're going for a narrow ruling here that would avoid being like a broad precedent for all time. I don't think it's super likely that they're going to pick on this officer question as the basis for this, because that would have lots of unintended consequences. It would mean like the emoluments clause of the Constitution wouldn't apply to the president anymore. It would be right. like it would be really, really weird. I think it's a lot more likely that they're going to do kind of the direction that Chief Justice Roberts was signaling, which is it's, it's really hard for a single state to make this determination for the rest of the country. And in fact, I thought this argument actually had some merit. He said that the whole point of the 14th Amendment was to restrict state power, right? Not let states go off and, mm -hmm. you know, launch a civil war. And that that would seem to be, it would seem to be weird to then allow it under what Colorado wants to do, kicking Trump off the ballot, it would have allowed after the Civil War for the Confederate states to say, well, we too can disqualify candidates from holding federal office, even though they were the ones who had just insurrected. I think that argument has some merit, and I think that's probably the off-ramp they're most likely to take. But can I, can I doom scroll for your, for your audience for just a second? Sure. Because it all could be much, much worse. Right. You want to hear the bad news version of this? I thought this was the bad news. No, no, no. Howard, Howard, grab your cup of coffee so you could do a spit take or maybe grab the hemlock. So there is a, a theory out there that the MAGA justices could just be fixing to kind of give Trump a clean bill of health and say he didn't engage in an insurrection. That wasn't an insurrection at all. They could they could say that. Right. They could just say this is all this is all piffle. Um, that would be terrible. Well, there are other bad versions of this, by the way. They could they could rule that the Fourteenth Amendment applies to candidates, right? But but uh, it does not apply to candidates. But it does apply to office holders. In other so words, in that case, Trump couldn't be kept from the ballot, but he could consider if that logic were to hold. If which he wins, he, then he then could it be would be up to Congress. So you could have this end of America version of events where we elect Donald Trump and a Democratic Congress, and then a Democratic Congress says that the president-elect is ineligible to assume office. Civil war. Civil war. I have, I did not know, I mean, obviously none of us know, I, I really didn't have a strong indication what I thought the Supreme Court would do. I, I thought it would be a perhaps a narrow vote, but I thought it might go one way or the other. There are some legitimate arguments to me, to be, Unlike the appeals court ruling we talked about earlier, which I think is just a slam dunk, the president cannot engage in, does not get immunity. There are some arguments here that have some validity to me. Part of it is it is so, what's the word I want to use? Unclear, but that's not the strongest word. 
what exactly is the mechanism? Okay, so you, so the states then decide, but who does it? We have we have one Secretary of State who's made that decision. You know, the Supreme Court in Colorado makes the decision. Who makes the decision? It, it, it's so muddy that I, it, it's it's hard to, you know to, to figure out. So I, I, I get that argument, and I get the argument that he is not technically guilty, as in a criminal prosecution, of insurrection. We all, smart people say it was an insurrection and he was motivator of it, but I don't know. So anyways, my point was, I, I, I expected this to be a very perhaps narrow vote, but I thought it could go either way. But it looks like it's going to be leaning strongly in Trump's favor. It does. It does look that way. And what I think we have to watch for now, since it's vanishingly unlikely that the Supreme Court will do America's work for us and let us off the hook by booting Trump off the ballot. What we have to look for is what flavor of this are, are they going to take? What kind of off-ramp are they going to take? I agree with you 100% that the cleanest and the most logical, the thing that would make the most sense to Americans, to, to, to citizens, is to say, hey, we're not going to speak to this question of whether this was technically an insurrection. Hint, look it up in the dictionary. It was an insurrection. We're not going to speak to Trump's role in the insurrection. We're going to say that no individual state can make that determination. Congress has to make that determination and, and pass a law. And that, that seems to have the fewest downsides. All right, so here's a reality. Assuming that the, 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 the inferences we draw from yesterday's questioning turn out to be correct, the 14th Amendment issue is just not going to come to bear. Donald Trump is not going to be automatically disqualified. We're still going to have an election coming up, which means there are still two things that, that we need to hopefully focus on. One is just beating him at the polls. And number two, he still faces criminal charges. Now, he could still be president, even though he's convicted, but he still faces criminal charges, and he could easily be indicted there. So those are the two positive things. Now, Matt, I'm looking at the clock. I need to take a quick break. I want to get a quick take on the Biden special prosecutor's report when we come back. All right? Hang on, Matt. Will do. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Matt. I want to take a quick moment to let you know about a podcast that should be familiar to many of you. It's called Talk in Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. The host of that show, the outstanding Corey Nathan, was just a guest with me. He's trying to do the same kind of thing that we're doing here, have reasonable, deep, smart conversations with the kinds of people you want to hear from. David Brooks and Jennifer Rubin and Adam Kinzinger Larry Wilmore of The Daily Show, John Popper of Blues Traveler. I, I got to stop talking about this. I'm, I'm getting jealous. Subscribe, follow, talk in politics and religion without killing each other and help both of us add a little bit more nuance, intelligence, and understanding to American politics. I do have guests I don't agree with, but listen, I, I think back to the early days of Rush Limbaugh. When Rush Limbaugh used to say, I am equal time, that's the approach I make. 90% of everything you hear in the media, television, and radio is going to be from the MAGA right-wing radical perspective. There are a handful of us like Matt Robeson and Beyond Politics, which you can listen to as a podcast on Apple Podcasts and other podcast places, or me, that try to present you with a variety of intellectual and different perspectives. And I try to bring to you things that you won't hear on the other places. Pardon me for taking your time to rant there for a minute, Matt, but that's 
That was my rant. No, no, no. You're promoting my show. Please go on. <laughs> Matt, a minute or two left, but I want to t- take a touch base with the special prosecutor's report that came out yesterday. I just popped up on my screen a headline. I think it's HuffPost. It says, a, a political nightmare for Joe Biden. The, the prosecutor said that Biden willfully and intentionally withheld classified material, uh, but they're not going to bring charges against him, all of which sounds good until you get to the sort of the rationale where the prosecutor says why he was just like an old man who just didn't know what was going on. I mean, if ever somebody was going to put into writing the the claims the Republicans are making that was in that report. It was not good. It was terrible. And anyone with, I mean, unless you're like going in for Nigerian prince email scams or buying a swampland in Florida, you can see that this was a political hit job. The language here was a was a clear political hit job. It broke DOJ rules on you. you there's a rule. If you're not going to prosecute someone. Don't then accuse them of all kinds of stuff, which is exactly what this guy did. But I'm going to make a case here. I'm going to make you feel better, Howard. OK, I'm not sure how much this is going to matter a week from now. I could be wrong about this. But here's the thing. There's plenty of ammunition out there for the storyline for Republicans that Joe Biden is too old and that he's a doddering old man. They've got the video. They've got they've got plenty of instances like he mixed up, you know, the president of Mexico and the president of Egypt yesterday. They've got plenty of that on tape. I'm not sure that this language on top of it is really going to be as much of a lasting political disaster as the immediate headlines are making out. Well, you're, you're probably right about that. We talk a lot here in West Virginia about the variety of problems that Jim Justice, the governor, has. Governor now running for the U.S. Senate seat. He doesn't show up for work. He does. He has these huge debts and so on and so forth. But the phrase uh, Hoppy Kirchhoff, my co- colleague here, and I often use, that's already baked into the pu- public's perception. So every time, every time yes. new information comes out, it's like, yeah, but we kind of we knew that. So I, I, your point is well taken that that this is this may not add much to it other than for a couple of days you'll hear, see, hear and see a lot of folks on Fox News and other places beating this report, but probably it will move move on too too quickly. I think yeah, or uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean it's it's text in a written report. I mean, look, people are drawing comparisons to the Comey letter. 10 days out before the 2016 election where, you know, Comey pulled the same routine and he criticized Clinton. And but it's, yes, there is a parallel there, but there's a huge, huge difference. It's February. Right. And that was right before the election. There's going to be so much between now and then. I would be super surprised if this characterization in this special counsel finding sees the light of day and is under discussion in October. The issue of Biden's age and mental capacity will be. We can't avoid that as Democrats. So we're just going to have to make this a choice. Don't compare me to the almighty. Compare me to the alternative. And the alternative in this case is the opposite of the almighty. Who I might point out himself has been to show signs of, of not holding it all together. Oh, you think? Signs is the, a, a wonderful euphemism there. You know, I mean, he has got some – and I say this with great respect to our elders who are suffering from dementia. I mean, this has touched my family, so I'm not meaning to make light of it. But Donald Trump's extraordinary word salads are – it's just – it's laughable. It's laughable that somehow Biden is being picked on 
for this issue when, I mean, talk about being in a glass house. My goodness. <laughs> Matt, I got to run on. I appreciate your time this morning. Always good talking to you. I sh- sure we'll do it again in the fairly near future. People can check you out with the Beyond Politics podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Beyond Politics Podcast, please subscribe. We do have a diversity of opinions, and it's it's smart and great listening. And, uh, yes, bring me back on a better day for Democrats. Yeah, I'll we'll try and find one. All right. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Matt Robeson, former campaign consultant, former con- congressional staffer, host of a Beyond Politics Podcast, and one of our regular contributors here on the Watchdog Morning Show.